Associate Friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. All this week, we're talking about universal basic happiness. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I am doing great. Doing great. Made it to Thursday, and uh, I guess this is sort of the midpoint of our broadcast week. We uh, got a late start yesterday with Wednesday's show. But it was a good one. <laughs> we had a good time. With it, it was a good one. We had a fun time, and we're powering through on the subject of right. universal basic happiness. We started out talking a little bit about universal basic sex, and that even led to a spinoff show we're going to do about sex bots coming up in a few weeks. So everybody, you know, mark your calendars, although we haven't set a date for it yet. So just listen to every show. You never know. It might be the one about sex bots if you're, if you're eager to hear that. You better... <laughs> By the way, Phil, since that, that show uh, last night, I was able to confirm that it was Katie Couric who interviewed the sex bot. So, okay. Uh, so I'm Katie Kirk, way ahead of us. We're, we're just going to do a show where we talk about sex bots, but she has already interviewed them, spoken to them, and had meaningful meaningful dialogue, from what I understand, from some of those transcripts <laughs> you were reading me before then. Yeah, it was, it was pretty... It was Potentially pretty meaningful, uh, I guess. Yeah. Check it out. Just, folks, Google Katie Couric sex bot, and you'll... you'll Actually, you might want to do more than that. Interviews or something like that. You don't want to get sent to the wrong thing, that's for sure. <laughs> make that Google search from home, not your office. <laughs> but anyway. Whatever you do, make that Google search from home, definitely. And now we're <laughs> going to talk about universal basic happiness. We ended the show yesterday talking about, well, if, if we're going to talk about income inequality and we're going to talk about sex inequality, why don't we just tack with all that? And we've talked about other things, by the way. We've talked about universal basic stuff. We've talked about universal basic food, right? We, we, we've been all over the map on this, right? Universal basic services. There's a lot of dis- yeah. different potential models for cleaning up inequalities and how things are d- distributed in the world. But my or, question or just is to, kind of just to survive a future where uh, employment might be scarce. You know, that's, that's right. Uh, and so any any of these universal basic fill in the blanks. That's part of what we're talking about. But but we're talking about the big one here, the the one, the one at the root of all of it, right? This is and, the root uh, of them all. I, I made the case yesterday that if you fix this one, you, you pretty much don't have to fix everything else. Now that's not entirely true because people would still be starving. I guess they'd be happy and starving, which is. I guess better than being unhappy and starving, but not much better. So you still want to fix the, the basic that people need enough to eat, okay? But once you take care of that, the big, the big inequality in the world, as I see it, is the happiness differential. The fact that some people are happy and some people are not. What can we do? How can we implement universal basic happiness? Well, I think we have a hint here in this story that was over on Motherboard Wireheading, the strange experiment from the 1950s wired pleasure directly into the brain. Of course, we've talked about this numerous times. It's been done with rats, lots of lab experiments with rats. But in the 1950s, a scientist at Tulane University in Louisiana actually tried this out with people. And I think it's been repeated with human subjects a few times after that. And you can actually wire people's brains in such a way that you can hit a button and stimulate the pleasure centers. And basically, people can be happy all the time, right? Happiness is literally just a push of the button away. Now, if this technology exists, all we have to do is clean it up a little, right? Because, I mean, it's probably pretty sloppy the way it was done in the 50s. And we live in the 21st century. I'm sure there's an elegant way of getting these things installed in our heads and nice battery packs we could carry around. But basically, just let everyone have an interface whereby they can... Make themselves happy, right? Give, give yourself a little jolt of happiness. Then if you aren't uh, one of the rich people in the world, 
don't worry about it. Just be happy, right? Hit the button, right? If you're not getting any sex, it doesn't matter. Just hit the button and you're happy anyway. So why wouldn't that be the solution to everything? Why, why, why couldn't we take an idea like that and turn it into a universally available solution to the problem of human happiness? It would pretty much address all other inequalities, and it wouldn't matter, right? We could all live in hovels. We could all eat gruel every day, right? <laughs> the economy doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. We'd all be happy, right? We, we, we would literally be celebrating the fact, hey, gruel again, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, Time for gruel, yeah. Just keep hitting the button, kids. You'll like it. Yeah. Well, it, this is not an argument against the technology, Phil, but it's a statement about the technology. It's on par with the holodeck. You invent the holodeck, and it's the last invention that humanity makes, right? Because we all right. go into the holodeck, and if you're mm-hmm. you order up a harem of some supermodels, you know, sure. women, yeah. supermodels of beautiful women, and you hang out in the holodeck, and you never leave it, right? Why would you ever step out to the holodeck, right? That's right. Um, if you're happy and gruel satisfies your physical needs, then why, why go out and accomplish things in the world so that uh, you can earn more money to to buy better food and better housing and better this or better that. Why challenge yourself if, you got to, if, if you're wired in such a way that you're perfectly happy just groveling in the dust? Why do why, anything, why, right? Why do yeah, anything why but hang in the holodeck, yeah. basically, at the end yeah. of the day? I mean, that's... Yeah, the holodeck <laughs> or be wired for happiness is the same deal, right? Why do anything else? That doesn't keep it from happening, nor does it speak to whether it's possible or not. The implications are pretty pretty scary in a way. Yeah, well, I think the idea of people just stimulating their pleasure centers, just purely doing that, is dangerous in a way almost nothing else is. Although I get what you're saying about the holodeck, and it goes back to, I think I've mentioned the book, The Dilbert Future, before, written by Scott Adams like 20 years ago. He wrote this book, The Dilbert Future. Yeah. And one of the things he talked about in there was what he called the holodeck fallacy. And it was the idea that the whole Star Trek world wouldn't really exist. It would have all broken down because once they had holodeck technology, nothing else is going to happen, right? It's like... <laughs> I think I drew that example, Phil, from times you brought that up. Yeah, you don't need to go explore strange new worlds, right? I'm, I'm perfectly happy right here in the holodeck, yeah, is, is, right. is, kind of, is kind of the idea. But I think directly hitting the pleasure centers is even worse than that. There's, there is such a dangerous self-reinforcing potential loop there related to what you see with drug addiction and, and that sort of thing. And I know we've, we've talked to, we've had folks on before and there is a whole hedonist movement in a good sense around transhumanism where they talk about giving us the ability to not suffer and to be able to, to give ourselves ultimate amounts of pleasure and have it become a very positive thing. But I think there is a real risk around that. Yeah. If it were just implemented the way I just described it, there's this, this whole question of what good would we be, right? <laughs> what would we be good for if we had that interface and basically we were living our lives that way? And would our lives still be meaningful in, in any way? Yeah, let me give you an would? example that I actually, I actually read this back in Psychology 101 class back 30 years ago in, in college, Phil, it's the, the rats that were, uh, were, were wired up in this way, they had a button that they could press to get the right. jolt of happiness, right? They'd have female rats right next to these male rats that were, were wired up in this way. These female rats would be in heat and, I mean, mm-hmm. ready to go. And the, and the uh, male rats were completely ignoring it, just pressing that button, just pressing that button. Wow, there you go. And, and they'd have another button there to, they could get something to eat. They would starve themselves to death 
because they wouldn't press the button for food. They were pressing the button for happiness. Okay, on the one hand, can I just say that this proves I was right, that it solves the sex inequality problem, okay? <laughs> it so. does that, and it also solves the food problem. If you don't the, have the food, yeah, the wealth, all the way down to the level of food problem, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so until you're actually dead, it, you don't care, right? Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, it's a scary thing in, in some ways as scary as a drug problem. Fortunately, there hasn't been like this epidemic of people being wired in this way, but uh, I could see it becoming a potential problem. So short of wireheading, which I think is ultimately we're going to use, and ultimately it will be a really useful technology, but we've got to learn a lot more about how we work and how to control it. Before we move away from wireheading, we've just spoken about happiness. The, the things that I've read uh, uh, about wireheading include the ability to like uh, stimulate the parts of your brain that, uh, for doing mathematics. If right. you're in a situation where you need that, great. Uh, you, you stimulate that. If you're in a social setting where you need to like be on fire socially so that uh, you're, the, you're the life of the party or whatever, you can light that up too. There's different parts of the brain that you can uh, stimulate to do different things, and wireheading might, might be a shortcut to doing those things. So... Anyway, that's, uh, that's yeah. So we don't want to paint it's, it's we don't want to paint too broadly that it's a bad idea of a technology. It's ultimately something it's, we're it's, we're going to use and yeah. have a lot of good applications. And I think even the happiness thing, ultimately, we'll we'll get a handle on how to use that and we'll curb pain and we'll make people less depressed. And there, there, there's all kinds of potential positive treatments for it. But the thing I described where everybody gets a remote and they have a wire in their head, and basically we're those rats, right? We're, we're those rats yeah. and we go around pushing the button. That, I think, would be a risky thing to do at best, although it would potentially solve the whole happiness inequality program. But I just want to say, are there other things that could address it? Well, we talked about the holodeck, but I think down the road, virtual reality will open up whole new avenues for subjective experience without having to actually rewire our brains. I think eventually it will be feeding stuff into our brains that we'll be getting full immersive experiences where we, we feel things and smell things and in addition to just the kind of audiovisual you, you, experience. You think in the I, I know Kung Fu kind of situation from uh, the Matrix perhaps? Well actually I, I'm just talking about sensory input. I wasn't talking about putting knowledge okay. in necessarily. Just, just talking okay. about being able to jack in essentially and feel a whole world and see and smell and taste a whole world around you in in the way that you do when you're when you're in the when you're in the so-called objective reality. Now, here's the question. Down the road, would virtual reality be able to compensate for the big sex differential? Because obviously if you could create subjective physical experiences sexual experiences would be among those that could that could be created then you don't have to have any slaves you don't have to have any rape right you just have yeah. essentially software you know non-player characters or whatever you're called right that uh, that people would be interacting with although it does get us back to the sex bot problem that we touched on briefly on yesterday's show doesn't it a little bit yeah as to whether it will happen absolutely it will uh Pornography is is on the cutting edge of technology and always has been, right? I mean, you know, oh yeah, uh, some of the first films ever made when uh, when film was invented back in the late nineteenth century were pornographic. With every uh, technological leap, uh, that things like that will be tried and will be adopted. So I guess if anyone is, is really worried about the unequal distribution of sex, and I think there are people who think about this, then that is yeah. potentially a solution. That is potentially a 
road we could take. However, we do run into the po- possibility of the holodeck fantasy. I think the, the holodeck fallacy. I think it is one step removed from the wirehead problem. It's one step removed from right. becoming those rats, but it is only one or two steps removed from that. Could it compensate for income inequality? In a sense, it could, because you can give people any subjective experience. If you live in a crappy house, yeah. well, you can just jack in and suddenly you live in a gorgeous mansion. Ba- right. Basically, you drive a nondescript car, well, now it's a Jaguar, right? Now it's a Mercedes. It doesn't matter. You can have the experience, the sub- same subjective experience that the wealthy have, and it would cost very little. It would cost whatever software costs, whatever the cost of the power to, to drive the system would cost, which is marginal. You know, it's not that much compared yeah, to actually making much, people no. rich. Yeah. So, Yes, it could to an extent, but there's problems. There's the whole problem of people getting sucked into that world. There's the whole problem of people settling for sort of quasi-real situations instead of real reality. I think ultimately what VR represents is kind of a subset of a bigger phenomenon. And that bigger phenomenon is ultimately probably the best solution to the whole sweeping problem of happiness inequality. But I'll tell you what. We're out of time, so we're going to have to pick that one up tomorrow and talk about that bigger problem tomorrow. I'm just going to give you a hint. The right. show is called Universal Basic Superpowers. Okay, so if that gives you any idea at all. And by the way, in addition to talking about Universal Basic Happiness, we're also going to do a spoiler-laden review of Avengers Infinity War. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> all right, Stephen, great talking with you. Great having you all with us. We will be back again tomorrow to complete our three-part series Look forward to talking with you then, and until next time, live to see it.